Right, what's up, everybody? It's Casey, and with me, as always, is the Hawkman to my The Atom. Jake, how you doing, buddy? Hey, man, I'm great. How's your day going? Not too bad. It's been kind of long. I'm pretty dang tired, I'm not going to lie. Been going about all day. How about you? Well, I was off today, so the exact opposite of that. Nice. I'm jealous. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, if you will like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash two worlds podcast, you can also find us on Twitter at two underscore worlds underscore podcast, as well as Instagram at two worlds pod. You can email any questions or comments to two worlds podcast at gmail.com. And please like and review five stars wherever you're listening to this. So let's get right into some news. Uh, what do you got for me today? Well, this isn't really newsworthy, but since I've been talking about, you know, writers tweeting things cryptically, Joshua Williamson tweeted a GIF of Flash and Impulse running together, and he just said, soon. They're really, like, they're really upping their, you know, their game of being vague, these writers. But (laughs) I'm, like, I'm kind of interested, kind of not, because it's like, Bart Allen has had such a weird trajectory like he started off as impulse then jeff johns is like no i want him to be kid flash and i don't want him to be funny anymore and then then he became the flash and then they killed him and then they brought him back as kid flash and then he just went away disappeared for you know a couple of years and then oh look at this he's back but he's not you know any of these other things he is now impulse again so like i'm curious to see how it is i'm glad joshua josh williamson's finally getting to do something with him because he brought him he was the one that brought him back and then bendez gets his grubby little hands on him he's like no it's mine now so i'm glad joshua williamson gets to do something with him <laughs> yeah me too well of the two writers i certainly want williamson to do it uh, <laughs> but man listening to you give a brief history of the character he sure sounds like a dc character <laughs> yeah it's just it's kind of like say that in the best way by the way <laughs> exactly yeah it's just kind of like He's just kind of, it seems like they're just kind of like, we don't care about continuity. We do what we want with him. And I mean, it, I guess it works because he's, you know, beloved, but it is kind of disappointing. Like they never should have done the kid flash stuff with him to begin with. And they shouldn't have made him flash. They should have just kept him impulse. And I think everything would have been better. <laughs> I agree completely. Um, I saw that Marvel is making seven existing um, titles uh, and making the switch to digital with those. So if you were collecting those in single issues, you're just kind of SOL on the rest of the series, Um, which would be like, if that happened to a title I was reading, I would be upset because I like collecting the single issues. but they're doing seven existing and one new title digitally or digital first before collecting them into trades later. And those are Ghost Spider, um, Ant-Man, Avengers of the Wastelands, Ravencroft, Star, um, Spider-Man, The Black Cat Strikes, Hawkeye Freefall, and 2020 Ironheart. No, I have to ask you, as a store owner, are you kind of, like, relieved or are you disappointed? Because, like, I bought one of those issues, you know, like one of those comics that are in there, and I'm 
might have to buy them digitally. I haven't decided yet if I'm going to, but are you like, man, I'm glad that I don't have to, you know, have some of these on my shelves because they weren't selling too well. And like, is there any that you're like, man, I wish I could still put that on my shelf? Um, you know, it's a little bit of both. I, I'm sure Marvel chose these because they're not selling great. The one that the one that does surprise me is Ghost Spider because that's like Spider Gwen's current title. Yeah. And Marvel seems to really like Spider Gwen. Uh, but the others, you know, aren't selling like they're doing okay, but it's nothing superb. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Like, am I going to be missing out on a few sales because of that? Absolutely. But it is one less thing to, to order. So, yeah. Well, um, and speaking of with the Marvel stuff, I got some Disney plus related Marvel things. Uh, an Ironheart series is in development for Disney plus. It's planned to start shooting in 2021. Uh, I did not a lot of details came out for this. Like I get, I don't know anything about Ironheart either but I guess she's supposed to be 15 years old. And I'm, I'm curious if they would keep her at that age or if they'd try to be, you know, make it so that she's, if she is supposed to be the super smart character, if they try to age her up or, you know, maybe even like try to introduce Spider-Man in there some way, just, you know, cause like all the superhero teens should know each other. They don't have a lot in like, who else would they talk to about being a superhero besides the other teens? So like maybe they'd put Spider-Man in it somehow. I don't know, but it might be good. Like I said, know nothing about the character. Do you have any opinions on that? Um, not really. You know, as we've mentioned like three episodes in a row now, <laughs> I don't really read Iron Man, so I'm certainly not gonna like read or watch a supporting character. I mean, I might watch it. If the reviews are cool, I'll check it out. But am I like, oh man, I'm stoked for Ironheart? No, yeah. I don't really care. Okay. I feel you, man. And then also piggybacking on that, Sony and Marvel are in the very er- like supposedly are in the very early stages of talking about teaming up to make a Spider-Man 2099 show for Disney Plus, which I'd be pretty pumped about. I've always thought that character was really cool, even before like mostly because his costume is the coolest. And then when I actually kind of read some of the stuff where that character was in it, I'm like, oh yeah, he is cool too. Like, the costume's the coolest part, but he is cool, too. So, like, that, you know, should be pretty interesting if that actually happens, which I would doubt it, personally, but we could hope. I would doubt it, too, but, like, I'd I'd be way more pumped for that because I know you like the character. I agree that his costume's super cool. Um, Our mutual friend Mike is a massive fan of that character. Isn't his name Miguel or something like that? Yeah, Miguel O'Hare. Okay. Mike's given me like a brief history of the character, and it sounds like a pretty cool story. And I know Peter David has written that character a lot over mm -hmm. the years, and I would hope that he would have some sort of creative input on that. That would be fantastic. Um. Okay, so John Ridley, who was the screenwriter for the movie 12 Years a Slave, um, had a gig lined up for DC. Um, Dan Didio said a while back before he uh, was fired or left the company, whatever happened there, that 
John Ridley was going to take over the Batman ongoing comic with Batman 100, relaunching it with a new number one to follow as part of that whole like 5G relaunch recast thing. Yeah. Um, and that would have seen Luke Fox take over and work side by side with like an older Bruce Wayne. Um, you know, then Didio was fired. The industry went into shutdown. And I had heard that some of that 5G stuff had been put on the back burner, but I actually learned this week that there's more to it than that. Um, I guess some of the like high-profile creators that were working on or alongside that Batman relaunch have been told to stop their work on it um, and have actually received kill fees for the work that they've completed. And a kill fee is usually just a payment made when a publisher decides that they will no longer publish that work. So I'm Oof. wondering if DC realized that 5G probably wasn't the best idea, at least in my opinion, and have decided not to go through with it. Yeah, no, I mean, they had, like, I, that, they had to have known it was a bad idea. Like, I, that's the type of thing where I think Dan Didio was like, this could be really great, but then, like, you would, and it could have been really, really great, but then you'd also have, like, since they are owned Time, you know, it's owned by Warner Brothers, who's owned by AT&T now, or Time Warner, or however that works, they would probably have other people looking down and being like, wait, you want to do what to Batman? Right. You know what exactly. I mean? Like, and so it's like, yeah, this might have, this, like, it could have worked. I'm not going to say it's like, it. I think it was a bad idea, too, but it's something that could have worked. It could have been interesting and could have been cool. I wouldn't have liked have it. Been, it also could have been just Batman Beyond again. Yeah, it could have been that. It it also could have just been a like, um, I've not read any of these, but I've heard just how terrible it is. Like the heroes reborn in Marvel whenever like they decided to reboot their whole universe and then everyone <laughs> hated it. And then they just had to bring everyone back. And I could see it being that a hundred percent. Cause it like, yeah, when you hear all the different things they wanted to do, it just sounded like a dumpster fire of bad ideas. <laughs> and like, I think I you would love it. Was one of the, the leaders of that. Who? Rob Liefeld. Oh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> but, I, you know, I've read, like, uh, some of the Avengers of that because it sounded pretty neat. And, yeah, I can see why that lasted, like, three issues. Yeah. So, I mean, and with this 5G stuff, I'm I'm hoping it, none of it happens because it's it, 100% could just kill DC comics. And yeah. I'm not, not trying to even sound like, Oh, overly dramatic about it. I think this 5g stuff making Luke a you know, like a big character. I would love if they had Luke in more comics. Cause like I missed out on his Batwing, Like when he was Batwing, I missed out on that. Cause I was just like, Oh, I'm not too interested in Batwing. And then I heard how awesome the series was. And I'm like, Oh no, I missed out. So I would be, you know, so happy if they brought Luke back, but Having him be the new Batman just doesn't work for me. Really having anyone outside of Bruce be Batman for a long period of time, like having Dick or Tim be him for a little bit is fine, but Bruce always needs to be the main Batman. That's just how it is, I you know? Agree. Yeah, there's no reason that Batwing can't have a series. My, my only guess is that 
they know it probably wouldn't sell that well. So their way of like forcing the idea is to have him take over as Batman for a while. Whether I mean, that's true or not, whatever, you know, it's yeah. just, just my opinion. But like, you bring, you know, just give us like a, a Batwing maxi series or something. Yeah. Or heck, just put him in detective comics. Yeah. There's no reason he can't be alongside the others that are on that yeah. team, I guess you'd call it. Or even put him in a uh, Batman and the Outsiders. Like that, that's a team of just like really cool characters that I always like with a story that I'm like, so so on but the characters are all awesome so i'm like all for it so might as well throw in another right. awesome character <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh this next bit is uh is about one of my favorite dc characters dr fate writer artist dan Schade, i guess is how you pronounce it uh he's known for his work um the Eisner-nominated webcomic Lavender Jack, and he also worked on The Spirit. He posted a full-length fan comic recreating Dr. Fate's first appearance in May 1940's More Fun Comics number 55, and that was for Fate's 80th anniversary that happened this month. And you can find that comic if you're interested on Dan Schade's Twitter. Uh, it's really nice work. I looked at it myself. And it, it bums me out that, uh, you know, why doesn't DC do any anything for some of their, like, you know, lesser known characters? Like 80 years for Dr. Fate, and DC doesn't even recognize it. Like, yeah. doesn't even put, like, a page in a comic book for it. It's just a huge bummer, dude. Like, I, I, mean, I get doing it for all the big ones, but... I mean, if they're about the money grabs on these, like, anniversary issues, why not do one for Dr. Fate? In all fairness, though, like, they might have had something planned, like, you know, oh, we're going to do a nice little thing, you know, commemorating Dr. Fate in all the comics this week, you know, this week. But no comics come out in print now, <laughs> you know, for a good bit. <laughs> so, like, that, they could have had something planned and we just didn't get to, you know, get to see it. Maybe it's just stuff like that usually leaks long before release. Oh, yeah. Okay. Just didn't hear anything about it. But, you know, props to uh, to this gentleman for, for doing that. Now, I have, a, I have a sidebar question. Like, how old is the JSA, like the team as a whole, and when's their, you know, 80th or whatever anniversary coming up that they can milk that for some money because that's something that i'd be excited about too same i mean it's got to be within the next like year or two i would think i mean i i guess i don't know for sure but if fate's been around since 1940 i'm sure the jsa is not too far behind yeah for sure so i mean maybe that's what they're waiting on is like a to be able to do a JSA type thing because they know a Dr. Fate one wouldn't sell as well as let's say a JSA one that would have all of the characters that everyone loves and they can just kind of cram it all in there and make it work that way. Now see, that is a $10 book that I would pay for. Same. Like, you know, a short story about each of the JSA members or something like that. Each one done by, you know, a knockout creative team. I think that would be fantastic. The only two downsides I could see about it, and this is just, you know, me being 
a pessimist, like not pessimist, but uh, just a, a Debbie Downer is one, James Robinson doesn't seem to be really writing comics anymore. And that's something that he'd be perfect for. And then Darwin Cook also passed away and he would have been perfect for that too. I won't disagree with either of those. I think, <laughs> I think they'd be great. Okay. And then I'm going to move along because we're kind of getting stuck on that. But uh, mm -hmm. David Ayer has been teasing his Suicide Squad stuff. Like, because I guess the studio got involved a lot. And so he's been showing like different apocalyptic kind of stuff. Because I guess they, you know, the original bad guys would be more apocalypse, you know, apocalypse type thing. Uh, he also sh showed a picture of his original script. And then, like, it sounds like it would have been more in a Snyder-type tone, which I don't know if would have been a better thing. And then he also said most of the footage with the Joker was unseen, which, I mean, kind of thank you. <laughs> but, I mean, it yeah. could have been good, but, yeah. I Probably not, though. Yeah, I mean, I that was one of those movies where I thought it was going to be a lot of fun, very Guardians of the Galaxy, and it just wasn't very good. And none of this stuff has really kind of made me be like, man, this could have been great. I mean, I, I would certainly watch, like, a director's cut or whatever for that, like, his original thing, because, I mean, why not? I'm just kind of antsy for more DC films. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean... It couldn't have been that much worse, right? Like, mm -hmm. I know Suicide Squad wasn't a good movie by any means, but I certainly didn't hate it. Yeah. So I, I would watch his original one. I would but if it was, like, I'm, on the DC app, but I wouldn't uh, pay for it. Yeah, well, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> and then with more type of WB news, DC uh, WB has halted development on the Supergirl movie while they decide what to do with Superman. Henry Cavill is still eagle, eager to return. I don't understand why they can't just introduce Supergirl in a Superman movie. Have him be sad that he killed Zod. Have him be, you know, like, I'm the last of my kind. You know, like, he even re-killed Zod when he was Doomsday. So he's, like, extra sad because he's just killed Zod so many times. And there's no other Kryptonians. And then he you know another spaceship crashes or whatever and then oh he has a cousin boom there you go simple don't overthink it don't be stupid wb <laughs> yeah i agree there's no reason that uh both of them can't be in a movie they they certainly have enough superman villains that the two of them could fight together for sure and then you'd also add in the drama of like her not believing that you know, Clark is her cousin because last time she saw her cousin, it was a baby. And then it could be like the whole new 52 thing where, cause I didn't read a lot of that, but I remember her just not liking Clark because he didn't seem like, you know, an actual Kryptonian to her. Cause she grew up a crypt, you know, on Krypton and all that stuff. And it would work. It'd be super easy and they could make more money, but I don't yeah. know if WB likes making money. <laughs> Um, I actually only have one more bit of news, so if you have a few things left, feel free to continue. Well, I have a lot left, and I'm going to kind of clump a lot of this WB stuff together, so I'll just keep going. <clears throat> um, the New Gods director, Ava DuVernay, 
I'm not probably mispronounced her name, but she stated she's working on a scene for the new gods movie involving all widow this week. I have no idea who that is. Don't know if you do, but apparently there's some hype. I don't know who that is. Is that exciting (laughs) for you then? Uh, I think it could lead to something exciting. All widow is the queen of the new gods bug people. So like forager is one of those. Oh, cool. Um, and I like him a lot. And I think the, the new gods villain mantis is one as well. So, you know, if that leads to something with forager, I'd be all about it. Yeah. Nice. Okay. And then, and the Titans uh, is the Titans TV show is reported reportedly maybe getting another spinoff show. It hasn't been decided whether or not it's going to be in the same Titans universe. I hope it is because I was really disappointed when I found out Doom Patrol was its separate entity in a different universe, even though Doom Patrol shows up in Titans, I guess, but they're different ones. It's complicated and weird. I don't get it, but that could be, <laughs> that could be cool. I don't know what they would do. Cause I still haven't seen, titans yet i really want to but oh you are so missing out man that's what i hear it sounds interesting it's just like i keep trying to watch that first episode and i just couldn't really get through it i there's i don't know i kind of blame the fact the way that they the outfit they gave starfire like it's terrible it is terrible but she does get like a proper look later and it's real good Nice. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And then on this same, like, well, here's a question though, before you move on, what spinoff would you want to see? Like, is there a team or certain characters that you would want to see? Oh, I mean, personally, because if you didn't know this from last week's episode, I'm a big Deathstroke fan. I would love to see a Deathstroke, the Terminator spinoff. I don't know. I don't think that'd be possible. Mm -hmm. Um, then, like, I think it'd be cool if they just did, because they're getting a lot of Titans characters from the way I hear it. So if they did, like, a just a Teen Titans East or West or whatever. Sure. Do, you know, instead since Jason is on, you know, that one, just have Jason be on this team and then have some of these other characters, because, like, they got Superboy now and, you know, all this other stuff. Just split the teams up, add in some new ones for each team. Yeah, for sure. Okay, and then my last bit of live-action DC news. Uh, CW has gained the rights to air Swamp Thing. Um, Like, I guess the the director, James Wan, is hopeful that this could lead to a revival. I don't know how well... Like, I didn't end up watching Swamp Thing. I was really excited about it, and then when I found out that it was canceled before it even aired, I didn't watch it because I was like, why be invested in this? But I heard it's pretty dark, so I don't know how well that would work on the CW, but I guess we'll see. And it would be cool if it did get another season. Cause I would be interested in seeing actually seeing it, but yeah, cause it's like, it was kind of slow when I started watching it. It was something that was, like I said, super hyped about. Cause I love the swamp thing character. And then the fact that they just, that Warner brothers literally came in prior to, I think the second episode, they're like, yeah, we're not gonna, be making any more episodes of this or we're not going to you know make another season sorry about that just made zero sense to me and i mean when you have james wan or wan however you say it like the guy that directed your very successful aquaman movie kind of heading this thing up it makes zero sense to cancel that early on 
I have a feeling it would have done really well on their HBO app that they're trying to, you know, push right now. But maybe so I heard I, I heard that uh, there was just like some big miscommunication and that's why that show got canceled. I don't know how really? much truth there is to it, but I heard that basically whatever whoever was like supplying the, the funds for this said, you know, we're going to give you. Well, I'll just say $100,000 for a budget. And then it turns out that they accidentally added on an extra zero than what they were actually willing to pay. <laughs> and so the production team was like, well, we can't keep like this high caliber production without the rest of that money. And then that's why it got canceled. I gotcha. That makes sense so, now. Yeah, I haven't, I hadn't heard that before. That's like the yeah. most Warner Brothers DC thing I've heard about something that they've made. So that's kind of <laughs> hilarious. It is, but you know we're the ones that suffer in the end. I know. <laughs> and then I'll share this last bit of DC news because I think it's the stupidest thing I've heard in a while. Um, Brian Michael Bendez is introducing a brand new lantern care like uh, lantern group to the spectrum. Uh, it's gold, and it's it's joy, and its first appearance will be in Legion of Superheroes number six. So if you want to collect the first appearance of the gold lanterns, go ahead. Like, there's a lot of things about this that I think are stupid. The fact that it's gold and the Sinestro core are yellow. I'm colorblind, and, like, that's going to be super confusing. And then also the fact that like I'm not a big fan of the whole lanterns of the different spectrums, but having joy be one thing. And then like, I don't know, love be one. Those are kind of similar in a way, you know? So like, it's just really stupid to me. <laughs> well, my question is, so I mean, their, their power ultimately comes down to, them harboring that emotion or whatever it is, right? So yeah, let's say, I mean, let's say, like a planet or just members of the Gold Lantern Corps are getting decimated by an enemy. Are they all gonna stay joyful enough to really like be powerful enough to stop it? You know what I mean? Like, is that yeah, how I mean, it works? I I don't know. I picture them being very much like. Um, like how we would be as kids in Sunday school, like they got the joy, joy, joy down in their heart, and they're like, "Where?" And they all they blast them down in our heart. <laughs> oh man, why aren't you writing these comics, huh? <laughs> they, like he just keeps ignoring me on Twitter. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> And my, my last three things in news aren't really comic book related, so I'll let you get to your last bit, then I'll share this stuff really quick. Okay. Uh, the comics industry lost a legend this week. Marty Pasco died at the age of 65. Uh, this guy had worked on so many things, and even if you don't know the name Marty Pasco, you're going to know some of these things that he worked on and even helped create. Uh, in 1975, he wrote Dr. Fate, drawn by Walt Simonson. 
which revealed that the spirit of Naboo, or Nabu, however you want to pronounce it, resides in Dr. Fate's helmet and took control of Fate's alter ego, Kent Nelson, whenever the helmet was worn. And that's like a concept that would pretty much be canon from there on out. Um, he was also a longtime writer on Superman. Um, he worked as the writer story editor on TV shows during the 80s, including Buck Rogers, Fantasy Island, The Twilight Zone, uh, Roseanne. And then he went on to animation and wrote for Thundar the Barbarian, uh, The Teenage Mutant wow. Ninja Turtles, Exo Squad, Teen Wolf, Berenstain Bears, and G.I. Joe. And then in the 90s, he became a writer, story editor for Batman the Animated Series. Um, he won a, a Daytime Emmy Award for his animation work, and he was also one of the writers for Batman Mask of the Phantasm. So, wow. I mean, just an incredible writer um, across, you know, several mediums. And so it's just... A real shame that uh, that he passed. Rest in peace, Marty yeah. Pasco. Yeah, actually, Mark Wade has written up a nice little thing about him that I saw literally minutes before we started this podcast today. So I thought that was kind of interesting too. Um, I'll have to check that out. So my my last three bits of news. Uh, first one is Timura. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that name first name right. Morrison is set to play Boba Fett in season two of Mandalorian. He actually was Django, the actor to play Django Fett in all of the clones. So I thought that was pretty cool. I'm really worried though that Mandalorian is going to, you know, just do to Boba Fett what George Lucas always did to Boba Fett. Like they're just going to make him a joke. So I don't know, man. That's not really the tone of the show. Even though there are some like funny bits, I I was actually really excited to hear this news. I it makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. The yeah, casting. Like, like so. I said, I'm ex- I'm excited, but at the same time, it's like, oh no, because they've already said. I mean, I've not like I said, I've not seen it, but I know that they've kind of said that like Boba Fett's not a Mandalorian. He's a you know just a whatever. Like you know, they kind of like blew him off and all this other stuff, and so I'm like. I hope that they don't just be like Boba Fett kind of shows up and go, hey guys, and they just shoot him and he (laughs) flies off the screen or whatever. And it's like, really? Yeah, I hope not too. There could be like Ahsoka just cuts his head off. Things there. (laughs) For sure. And then um, this is something I'm pretty excited about. I'm going to get it like for all of the young children that I know. There's a new Godzilla versus Kong children book coming out. It's called. Godzilla versus Kong. Sometimes friends fight, but they always make up after. And that whole thing that's is all the I title know. of the book. <laughs> yeah, it says it's just Godzilla versus Kong. Sometimes friends fight, and then parentheses, but they always make <laughs> up after. That's fantastic. I know. I'm pretty excited about it. I'm probably gonna buy one for myself, and then buy one for my niece. Probably not my nephew. He's probably too old for that. But then any other kid that I know. Um. <laughs> Then the last bit of news, this is some depressing news. Uh, I kind of knew it was going to happen. I was hoping it wouldn't, but G-Fest is officially canceled, mostly thanks to new 
open up Illinois orders that Pritzker, uh, J.B. Pritzker, our governor, has set in place. Like if it was following the Trump set, he had reopened. But I don't know how like I probably wouldn't have gone to it since I bet the guests wouldn't have gone since they were probably like 50 to 60 year old people that would be flying in from Japan. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that I don't think that they would come to that. So like that was my big reason for wanting to go. So I mean it's disappointing that's canceled, but it's probably for the best. Well, hopefully next year everybody's able to come back and you can see them. Yeah, that's one thing that's kind of neat. They did announce so next year it's going to be in a bigger venue. Oh, so where last year the air conditioning broke and it was miserable <laughs> this next time it should be that shouldn't be a thing that they have to worry about so right. let's hope for that too all right well well that's all of my news mine as well so let's take a break for advertising and we'll be right back welcome back thank you for listening to the ads and let's get into the comics we read this week what did you read casey So I read Flash, The Fastest Man Alive, number three, by Gail Simone and Clayton Henry. Aquaman Deep Dives by Steve Orlando and Ken Marion, or Marion, or however you say it. Superman Man of Tomorrow by Vendetti and Paul Pelletier. And then also, Flash 753 came out, and I bought it digitally. I'm sorry. By Joshua Williamson and Howard Porter and Brandon Peterson. And then I also read... Uh, Dan Abnett's Hercules run on in uh, trades that I have. What did you read, my friend? I reread Jason Aaron and Asad Ribic's Thor, God of Thunder, Volumes 1 and 2, which is God Butcher and God Bomb. Now, are those, those like, are the God Butcher and the God Bomb, like, connected? Yes, definitely. Okay, cool, cool. Nice, man. Well, I'll start with my new stuff, and then I'll let you fill in with the oldies unless you want me to fill in with, you know, my oldies, and then we can go from there. Sounds good. All right. So Flash, Fastest Man Alive, number three, by Gail Simone and Clayton Henry. Um, It was really cool. Like, it was really fun. It was, like, these portals have opened up in time, and all these, like, random things are coming coming out. Like, Flash fights a T-Rex. He fights... Um, the Red Baron, he teams up like the Adam is there, and it's uh, not the not Ray Palmer. It's I think it's Ryan Choi or Cho the um, like the newer Adam, and so they team up. And my one the one downside to it is like they kind of just like Gail when she wrote this was just like Ray Palmer doesn't exist. Ryan is the first Adam in this universe, and that was a little disappointing because I love Ray Palmer, but. All in all, it was a really fun story. Like, it really just kind of felt like an episode of the TV show, though. Like, the way that Barry was written, the just the story in general. And, like, Gail is taking it on. I don't know why I'm, like, using just her first name. Like, I'm on first name basis with her. But she's <laughs> using, uh, like, she's, like, really writing this really kind of fun Flash universe that's a lot different than, like, the main Joshua Williamson Flash. But it's similar enough, and it's just enjoyable. Like, she... I think like when I first talked about that first issue, I wasn't super hot on it, but now I'm along for the ride. I'm enjoying it. And like I said, like I say this every time, it's like 84 cents 
I mean, it's supposed to be a dollar, but it's like only 84 cents on Comixology, so it's more than worth it. Uh, Aquaman Deep Dives. This was uh, Tempest and Aquaman, and they're fighting this like old sea monster that woke up under New York City because it was like, I guess there was uh, uh, like uh, magic users that sealed this monster away. And so like they're trying to, you know, fight the monster. But then there's also all these people there that are that could die. Like Aquaman's like, Tempest, you got to save him. But he's like, I'm too scared to use my powers because what if I mess up? And so then, like, Aquaman has to kind of, like, talk mean to Tempest, so he uses his powers and actually saves these people. And then, like, Aquaman's also trying to talk to this monster, and then he realizes, like, this monster, it just kind of, like, it broke free, like, the its thing that was sealing it away in another uni- another dimension, just, it kind of just woke up in this new world that it doesn't know anything about, and it's just scared. So where I had griped last week about aquaman just killing this random monster that clearly didn't know what it was doing this week he's actually like oh this poor thing's scared i'm not gonna kill it we'll seal it back where you know where it was where it wants to be and so that's what it did and it's just like holy crap like steve orlando listened to my gripes about this last issue (laughs) that he had nothing to do with and he just fixed it and so that was really cool and then like also tempest kind of you know he kind of gained back confidence because that was one of the things aquaman was like Tempest learned all these powers that I could never teach him. But at the same time, he didn't have like his uh, teachers didn't teach him the confidence that I easily could have taught him. And so like that was really neat. It was a fun story. I like Aquaman and having something that I don't have to like know what's going on. These are just random stories. Very worth it. Uh, Superman man of tomorrow. Like, it's it's weird. I think we spent two weeks about talking about Vendetti, and now we're back to him. Uh, <laughs> it deals with Toy Man. Lex bought out Toy Man's toy factory, so Toy Man wants revenge, and they kind they use the animated Toy Man, Toy Man, you know, like uh, how he had that big to- like creepy face, you know. Yeah. They use that design, which I think is like the coolest design of Toy Man, but I don't like Toy Man. I think he's just kind of a lame character. So like. Vendetti did as much as he could with this, but I still wasn't that captivated. Um, and then for Flash 753, like, I kind of forgot a little bit what was going on, but it caught up pretty quick. And Paradox is going throughout time, killing different Flashes, causing different Paradoxes, and he's used, using Flash speed on the Cosmic Treadmill to do it. And he's got you know, fly, uh, Godspeed all chained up to it and it's using his powers. And while that's going on, the main flash is trying to find Eobard Thawne because he knows that he was the only person that's ever beat Paradox. So he is waiting <laughs> at the, his old house as where he was as a kid and, you know, like waiting for Thawne to show up and murder his mom and leave. Which, you think about it, that's real dark. And he... <laughs> You know, like, Don shows up, like, after he kills his mom, he's like, ha, you're too late. And, you know, like, I already did it. Like, you're just kind of bragging about murdering Barry's mom, which is just a jerk move. And so they fight for a little bit. And he's, like, trying to talk to him about Paradox. And, like, at the end, like, Flash has got him. And he's like, face it, Flash. We got to do what I've always wanted. We got to do a team up. And that's how it ends. I'm like, that's pretty awesome. (laughs) Like, I'm pretty, pretty excited about this. That sounds fun. Okay, now I'll let you talk about your Thor comics. Okay. 
since Casey had mentioned that he wanted to talk about Hercules, of course I had to to read something about Thor this week so that we could, uh, you know, butt heads like we always do. This this friendly <laughs> rivalry, much like Hercules and Thor themselves. So, apart from Walt Simonson's Thor, I think Jason Aaron's God of Thunder is probably the best Thor I've ever read. Um, this was um, Aaron's first take on the character, and... I mean, it then let him write the character for however many years up until <laughs> three issues ago, so, um, which says something about it. But anyway, uh, God Butcher and God Bomb follows Thor while he tries to figure out who is killing all these gods. Um, and it turns out that that's a character named Gore. And essentially, Gore was on this planet with this people and they were having a really rough time and starving and dying and all that jazz. And he just, he came to this conclusion that the gods were only, you know, in this life for themselves and that, you know, he didn't need the gods anymore and he hated them for never helping him and his people out. And he was just going to kill them all, every single one of the gods. And he does a pretty good job of it. Um, and this, this whole story actually takes place, um, past, present, and future. So we see Thor, um, back before he gets Mjolnir and becomes a hero back when he's just, you know, a Norse god fighting alongside Vikings. And then we see the more modern Thor, you know, where he's on the Avengers and whatnot. And then we see future Thor when he's become an old king um, and has become the All-Father. And that's how long the God Butcher was, like, wreaking havoc on the gods, which I think is pretty cool. Like, I mean, that that's a pretty mm -hmm. bad villain right there in the best way. Um, yeah. So anyway, this villain is going on this tirade for thousands of years um, and is kicking Thor's butt that whole time. And it finally takes all three Thors from those three times, like, getting together to fight him at once, which, if you can imagine, looks really, really cool. And Gore becomes super powerful because he gets um, what's called the Necrosword, which is just, like, this evil... I don't know. It's just this black, um, like, morphing entity substance thing I don't really know how to describe it but it can just transform and he's like shrouded in it and can form weapons with it and stuff and it looks great anyway uh, God Butcher leads into God Bomb which is when Gore is building this mega bomb and he's using all these different gods as slaves to build it for him which is pretty darn evil these gods are building this bomb that's then going to kill all of them. So anyway, the three Thors and um, Thor's three granddaughters, who are pretty cool, and some more allies all gather to get this one final showdown with Gore before the bomb goes off. And I, at the end, it essentially comes down to... Um, 
present Thor, I believe is the one. He takes his Mjolnir and Allfather Thor's Mjolnir together, one in each hand, and he's just going at gore with everything he's got. And it's some of the most gorgeous like comic book fighting I've ever seen. And it gets to the point where he uses both Mjolnirs to absorb like the necro whatever energy and he like sucks it off of gore and then he becomes this big evil Thor with two evil Mjolnirs which looks really cool as well and he hits gore with this gigantic evil blast and then spoiler alert if you don't want to know what happens maybe skip ahead a minute young Thor then with his axe uh, decapitates gore and that's how they beat him. Um, wow. It's just, it's one of the coolest fights I've ever seen in comic books. And really, both volumes are just epic fight scene after epic fight scene. And what makes those fight scenes even better is the artwork done by Asad Ribic. He, he's probably my favorite Thor artist as much as I love Simonson, but I love Simonson's storytelling and I love Rivik's art. Um, if you ever get the chance to look through it, it's just like, I don't know, it's almost painted. It's some crazy digital art form, but it looks great. The story was super cool. It really gave a villain that made you think, oh, this guy really could kill all the gods. And you think of Odin and Thor as these like all powerful beings, but, but Gore really gave them a run for their money. Um, so if you need a good modern Thor story, highly suggest God Butcher followed by a God Bomb. Nice, man. I mean, it's a good thing for, you know, gore that Hercules wasn't there, but it sounds pretty good. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> it was just too easy. But no, that does sound really awesome. And I wish I liked this as much as you liked that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so first I just want to talk about like this this book kind of starts off with like Hercules these kids coming to Hercules, they're like, Oh, we want you to help us with our brother you know, with my sister's boyfriend. He's a monster. And then they're like, Oh, is it drugs? Like, no. He's a literal monster. Cause like kids, they're innocent and they can kind of perceive things different than people, and it turns out Sure enough, it's this ancient monster who's trying to hide away from this thing called the storm. And so the storm is this, they don't know really anything that's coming, you know, what it is yet. And like these other ancient things are talking about running away from the storm. And more and more people keep talking about running away from the storm. And it turns out the storm is these new gods. And it's not like DC's new gods. They're not cool. They're pretty lame. Uh, one's called Horoscope, and she's all about, you know, beauty and there's another i don't remember the other two's name it's not really that important because it's not that interesting um but one was like very internet based and like he could see all of the you know stuff and it, it like it really read like how everyone sees a millennial even though like now millennials are you know millennials are old this is how like everyone sees them though like going like raffle lol you know i'm always on my phone i can see everything that type of stuff and the other one's war and he can shoot missiles and, you know, use that type of stuff. And like, there's a lot that I don't like about this. Um, like one of the things is they're, 
like there's only it seems like there's only three ways to write Hercules. There's the Bob Layton, Greg Pak, Von Linty way, where it's like he's the lovable doofus that has a heart of gold and is actually underneath all of the doofusness. He's actually a really serious, cool character. That's the best way. Then there's like the old school way where he was really just Thor light, you know, like the old school, like when he first came about in the Avengers, he didn't have a lot of personality. He was just like the other God. And then there's the way that they kind of do with this Hercules book and this other Hercules book where he's just a loser. Like he's just an, a drunken loser. They take all the stuff, the fun stuff and the Pac Van Linty ones. And then they're like, instead of, making them interesting, making them fun. They just turn it into him being a loser. And I'm not a fan of that. Like this, like the first time I read this, I hated it. The second time I read it, I wasn't a fan. This third time I was like, ah, oh, this isn't too bad. Uh, but again, though, just the way they write Hercules, it doesn't really work. And the way people view Hercules also doesn't work to me. And one thing that also bothers me is they don't explain how Hercules has his powers back because at the end of Pac and Van Linty's run, they did a series called Herc where he had lost all of his powers. He just had a bunch of different weapons and he was fighting this way. In this one, he has all of his powers, but he also uses guns for some reason, <laughs> which bothers me a lot because he, there's a part where he uses a taser on somebody, but he's also strong enough to throw cars. So that just didn't, just it doesn't make sense <laughs> and then like people are like oh hercules is such a loser and then they're i'm gonna read a line because i brought and in, into here with me i have um the first Pac and von linty trade and there's a a line when Ares and hercules are fighting and it's just like it's perfect and it kind of sums up the two characters because they're they're brothers and they're fighting and Ares has him. He's like, yield. Herc goes, never. And he's like, look at you. You're a murderer, a thief, an adulterer, a drunkard, a fool. Why? Why do they love you more? He's like, pardon? He's like, who are you anyway? The god of bad decisions? I'm the god of war. War turns nations into empires, peasants into heroes, men into gods. But the mortals invoke my name only as a slur. Only dogs and vultures are sacred to me. But you, pathetic you, you bring as much death and destruction as I do. A... Perhaps more. But for all my flaws, they understand me, brother. They see themselves in me. Most men just want to be men. Then men are cowards. It's like, and they and their love for you is yet another sign of their weakness. Nay, brother, it is my strength. And he hits them and ends up beating them and get you know gets away. And like that, that's Hercules. That's perfect. This one, he's just so down in the dumps and he's like, oh, I don't like, I don't know if I can do this. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, this loser, Hercules. And the, like the Avengers aren't returning his calls and all this <laughs> other stuff. And it's just, it's so like, it, it's just, it's just really stupid to me. And one thing that also really annoyed me, he makes a team of gods and like, not just gods, but like ancient heroes to help fight against these new gods that are showing up. And like, they, because the Avengers can't see him, but the old, you know, these old heroes and stuff can see the new, you know, the new gods. And so they are going to, you know, join us. Like there's Beowulf and other people like that. And her, like we make jokes about Thor and Hercules and stuff, but like Hercules would answer that call. Like I think he was, it was uh, Jane Foster, was her, you know, was Thor at that time. So like 
just Odin's son, Thor, would have still been there. Sure. That's just like when, like, in the Thor, in the, you know, appearances that Hercules has in Thor comics, it's usually Thor's like, hey, crap's getting real. Can you help? And Hercules is like, yeah. It would have been the same way. I agree. <laughs> like, there's no way where Hercules is like, oh, I'm not going to answer my raven that he sent me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, they end up beating them, and, you know, all's good, and there's some jokes and it, but no, it just, it just, they tried way too hard to make this character that can be serious and can be, you know, like, like how Pac and Van Lente did it. He, he's a very, you know, he can be a very serious character, very flawed character, very interesting character, but you don't have to take those, the things that make him flawed and just try to be like, well, it's overcorrect. Like, that's not how you do it. You just make him embrace his flaws and make it work. And it, it can be so great. And so he just really, like, Dan Abnett just really missed the mark at the end of the day. And I stand by that still. Like, I was hoping this time I'd read it and be like, no, actually, I liked it on my third read. Because I didn't like Herc when the first time I read it. But then I read it my second my second time. I'm like, actually, this is pretty awesome. The art just kind of goes downhill. But the story itself stays great. And this one just still didn't didn't hit for me. But I'll, I'll stop talking about that and I'll go into a fantastic four if you're ready for one of those my friend i am ready i just want to touch that i also read that series because you know that that was the first time a hercules series was around when i was like really into collecting and i was so excited because it was casey one of casey's favorite characters and i was finally going to get to read it too and even to like a new hercules fan i was just like and this guy kind of sucks, and I know that he's not supposed to be like that. So <laughs> I feel you. Anyway, I am ready for the Fantastic yeah, Four. I, yeah, I would highly recommend the Pock and Van Linty one. Like, that's the one thing you can pick up from this is, like, they nailed it 100%. Right. But, um, so Fantastic Four. So this uh, Thor Bjornsson, a.k.a. the Mountain from Game of Thrones, has broken Eddie Hall's 500-kilogram deadlift. That's 1,102 pounds. He ended up deadlifting 501 kilograms because he's petty, and that ended up being 1,104 pounds. Eddie, the whole time, was talking smack, saying, that's not a real record because you're doing it via you know, Instagram Live. You're not actually doing it in front of a whole audience like I did. So that doesn't count. So then after Thor broke the record, he looks at the camera and he goes, I beat Eddie's record. Now I'm challenging him to a boxing match. And then Eddie accepted. So two strong men who don't do cardio will go 12 rounds boxing. <laughs> they both, they, they both may end up being, you know, dead by the end of it, just because that's a lot of cardio. So give me four battles in comic books that were built up, but they inevitably were just really disappointing. Okay. This one is the first one that comes to mind. And at the end of the New 52, Jeff Johns was writing Justice League, and he was doing this whole big thing called the Dark Side War. And they were hyping up this thing. They even put out a cool-looking poster that was Dark Side versus the Anti-Monitor. And, like, everybody was That was, was a cool hyped. poster. Yeah, and I've still got it hanging up in my shop, too. I love that poster. But 
that was a terrible, terrible series. And like one, what's your opinion? I don't think Dark Side versus Anti Monitor would even be like that close of a fight. Am I wrong in that? I mean, okay. So this is the weird thing about Dark Side is like, I don't fully understand how powerful he is. Cause like there's been so many times in different comics where it's like, Oh no, he's like this tough, but then he gets beat. But then they're like, no, no, that's not the real one. The real one is this whole thing that lives in its own dimension. So then it's like, well, which one fought him? And then, but then anti-monitor is super powerful, but then he's been retconned so many times that to the point where I'm like, I don't even know how powerful anti-monitor is at this point either. So it's kind of, kind of a toss up really. It's just who, what, however the writer wants it to be, you know? Yeah, that's fair. It's just like sometimes dark side gets beaten by Batman in a metal suit. And, you know? <laughs> well, but that, that's not the real dark side. That's, that's the one of his icons. Right. Yeah. Either way, <laughs> that was not a good story. The fight was kind of a letdown. Um, yeah. Another one, and I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but like when Jane or nearly any other Asgardian beats Thor in a fight, and they do that a lot where like somebody will come in like Lady Sif or Beta Ray Bill at the end of an issue and be like, you got to go through me, Thor. I don't want to. You're like my brother, but we got to. And then, you know, it's always either <laughs> Jane wins when she shouldn't or you know, Thor just like mows through them. And I don't know. I just kind of wish they'd stop doing that. Cause at this point it's lost its appeal <laughs> and we all know what's going to happen at the end yeah. of the day. Um, the other one, let's see. So in Scott Snyder's metal series, um, I don't, some of the details are fuzzy and I know you read it um, more recently than I have, so maybe you can clear it up for me. But I remember at a certain part, the Batman who laughs just, like, kills the whole Justice League. Or, like, it shows him, like, standing over the bodies of the whole Justice League. And, you know, they hype the Batman who laughs, like, pretty heavily. Like, he he was the one thing that's definitely stood out the most during the metal event. And... It's just kind of crazy that he would have that kind of power, I guess. I don't know. And I know it's like alternate yeah. reality stuff and that that doesn't really count. But, man, it just it kind of pairs with Batman's just too powerful. And at the end of the day, this is just like another version of Batman. And they made him too powerful, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, that's one of the things, like, I when I talked about last week when Deathstroke and that one issue of like the old school Deathstroke comic when he beats up Batman, like that was like, that's old school Batman. So by old school, I think it was like nineties. So it's not that old, but it was like, that's the Batman that how he should be written in my opinion, where it's like, he's just a human with a really strong willpower. He doesn't want to quit, but when he's met with someone that's just superior to him, it doesn't matter. And that was, you know, so that was a really cool fight in that way. And now, especially under Scott Snyder and I love Scott Snyder, but he makes Batman like God level. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's just kind of, you know, anymore. It's just not fair when he fights. Right. And then the uh, last and probably least would be Deadpool. Um, he's 
beat Taskmaster a few times in Deadpool comics. Mm-hmm. And like at the time, I was excited because I think it was the Daniel Way Deadpool series, which I really liked. But it's like, oh man, I like this. And now he's going to bring Taskmaster into it. And then Deadpool just, you know, mops the floor with him. And that was a big letdown because I thought it should most definitely be the other way around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good one, man. Well, I think next is our big old fight. Oh, I'm ready this week, buddy. Oh, I, I'm sure you are. <laughs> uh, it's going to be Electra versus Iron Fist, and I'm going to draw a card. They're going to be battling. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. In an ocean of gelatin. <laughs> okay. I think, that, I think this helps me out more than it does Iron Fist. I'll be honest. <laughs> well, it won't matter. <laughs> All right. Do you want to go first? You want me to? Sure. I'll go first. All right. So I'm going to start with some speed feats for Iron Fist. And I know Casey knows this, but I'll let everyone else know, too. I'm a huge Iron Fist fan. He's probably my favorite (laughs) Marvel character after Thor. And it's thanks to Casey that I even know who he is or even read his stuff. But getting into it. You were actually Iron Man once for Halloween. We should post that picture on the Twitter. Uh, You said Iron Man, but I was Iron Fist. I knew what you meant. I said Iron Fist. No, you didn't. Thank you very much. <laughs> we will we will play it back. We will. And I will tell you you're wrong. And, and you will be wrong. But anyway, yeah. We probably won't post I, that I, I can edit it out so it sounds like I'm right. <laughs> but anyway, like I said, some speed feeds. Iron Fist can dodge automatic gunfire. Uh, even from the Punisher. I don't know why his guns would be any more impressive than anyone else's guns, but he's done it. No. Nah. Um, His guns are twice as fast. Everyone knows that. (laughs) He can take out gang members in half a dozen heartbeats um, and move so fast that the witnesses aren't even sure what happened, which was a cool page to read, by the way. He constantly strikes so fast that his attacker can't even see the attack, and he once dodged electricity fired by the eel from very close range. So he's faster than electricity. He's caught a bullet that was fired from behind him, like spun around and caught it in time. And one of the coolest things that I've seen, uh, during an attempted suicide, he catches a bullet fired from a gun that was held up to a lady's head, and he was able to move so fast that he caught the bullet before... um, it hit the lady. So that was pretty cool. Um, some durability and endurance feats. After jumping out of a plane, he abandons his parachute and falls to the ground, seemingly unharmed. He takes a hit from a triple iron that supposedly hits with the force of a howitzer shell. He remains conscious after an attack from the Prince of Orphans, which sends him flying from Kunlun all the way to Earth. While facing Shu Lao, the Undying, he takes an almost unimaginable amount of heat and keeps going. Uh, He keeps going after being drenched in corrosive acid. He can sit in place for a whole day without eating or sleeping and has sat in meditation for three days before um, 
his body started to go numb. One time he got both of his arms broken and kept fighting before finally passing out. He endures getting, oh, this one was pretty gruesome. He once got hanged from like giant metal hooks through his arms uh, and was branded and uh, was able to stay conscious and fight. And through chi manipulation, he can heal himself and others. And I will take a break and let you talk. All right. So Electra, I'm going to talk about her strength first. She can kick so hard she can break a brick wall. She has cut through an android that was supposedly made from S.H.I.E.L.D.'s strongest metal. She punched through a ninja's stomach. It was very much like that scene in Kung Pao, if you've seen Kung Pao, where like he punched a hole in the guy and there was a stomach blood on the ground. Um, she can destroy shield robots with just you know her striking hands. So not just with weapons, she can just pop pa and then like you know these robots are destroyed. Speed, she's a bullet timer, obviously. It seems like every martial arts character that Marvel <laughs> has can dodge bullets. And like there was there was a ton of different instances of her just being able to dodge bullets, but I was like, she's just a bullet timer. Just trust me on that. Um she's been shown to be able to deflect energy beams. So you talked about lightning. Energy beams are supposed to be about the speed of light. So speed of light's faster than lightning. Honestly, I'm sure Iron Fist has some <laughs> energy beam feats so i'm not too you know i'm not gonna like hold that over your head um she she's been shown to be able to cut a bullet in half in midair and you also talked about punisher she's been able to steal like punisher had his gun pulled held on her and she took his gun from her and put it on him or you know took you know what i mean and that was punisher and he's got guns um one time she was faster and outmaneuvered Wolverine. He was shocked by how fast she was. And like in the comic, she's stabbing him in the neck. And this is like kind of important just because I have an issue of new, uh, the new Avengers where they were sparring and Wolverine beat Iron Fist. So Electra beat Wolverine, Wolverine beat Iron Fist, Electra better than Iron Fist. Uh, durability, she can take, <laughs> uh, durability, she can take Cyclops beams to the face and continue fighting. She can take hits from Colossus level strength. She got kicked off the top of a building and gets up like nothing happened. Was able to walk to Matt Murdock's house after being stabbed in the heart. Um, skills, she can manipulate her endorphins so she doesn't feel pain. She can fight blind. Uh, knows different nerve strikes, has killed just tons of different skilled assassins. Like, I was reading a list, and they just gave off all these different times where it's just like, oh, yeah, this unnamed assassin, she murdered him. Um, So she's so good at blending into the shadows that Daredevil can't even sense her at times. She taught herself telepathy. I don't know how that works. (laughs) She can use, in quotes, ninja mind scramble. To make people think things happen that don't. So the example, she made this S.H.I.E.L.D. agent think that he murdered her. Like in the comic, it shows him shooting her in the head and then he walks away and then she turns out she's fine. And she just played like she Jedi mind tricked him, basically. Uh, she can control minds and she knows how to put her body or her mind into bodies of others. So, you know, very much if Iron Fist strikes her down, 
she will only become stronger and jump into his body. Okay, I'll let you talk next, and then I'll get into all of the different people she's beat up. Okay. So some skill feats for Iron Fist. He's mastered all techniques taught to him by Lei Kung, who has trained every Iron Fist and every warrior in Kunlun going back to at least 730 AD and possibly long before that. Uh, he's taken out 88 shield agents in under seven minutes while holding back not to kill them. He has broken the Crimson Bands of Ciderac, which is a pretty awesome feat if you know what those are. He. I'm going to say this really quick, though. That's ridiculous because, uh, oh, what's his name? The big yellow dude that's in our space, um, Living Tribunal, couldn't break that. Yeah, well, Iron Fist did. That means he beats the Living Tribunal. That means he beats Electra. <laughs> no, no, because he beats Living Tribunals never beat Electra. So <laughs> anyway, he shattered Thunderball's Mystic Re- Wrecking Ball. He is one shot Colossus. He sank a large boat with one punch. He fought and defeated a literal dragon. He punched through a shield helicarrier. Uh, He beat Ragnarok, who's a clone of Thor. Punched Luke Cage through a building, collapsing the building. He's, uh, and I'm pretty proud of this one, knocked out Hercules in one punch once. (laughs) He, his malarkey. He beats Black Panther by punching through his vibranium armor and then knocks him out. He's beat Scar, son of Hulk. Uh, Channeling his chi, punches and defeats Zhu Kong, the god of fire and universal order. During the Shadowland event, he fights Daredevil, who had been possessed by a demon. And very biblically, Iron Fist punches Daredevil so hard that the demon loses control of Daredevil's body. Uh, And perhaps his coolest feat he punched and stopped a train carrying enough nuclear explosions to make and i quote hiroshima look like a firecracker and tanked the explosion and i'll hand it back over to you okay so she has beaten uh kirigi a hand assassin who had centuries of training he also had a healing factor so i mean he had more training than Iron Fist, and he had a healing factor like Iron Fist does, so that right there kind of sums things up pretty well. <laughs> she uh, she has beaten the Silver Samurai. She has beaten your good buddy Taskmaster, so that kind of also tells you right there Cassandra Kane should beat Taskmaster, <laughs> but that's a different thing. Um, she was injured and drugged one time, and she beat Bullseye. And, like, Bullseye has beaten her one time but every other time she has literally just beaten the crap out of bullseye um she has this is one of her like higher end feats she beat a super scroll who had ghost rider powers eye beams and was also trained just to fight her and she ended up killing him and then she defeated a character named caped crow he's a precog who was able to defeat taskmaster Sabretooth, bushmaster a bunch of other people Uh, She was able to go into a meditative state and make it so that he couldn't read her moves. So she had that, you know, was able to do that because she has such control over her body. 
was able to slap him around. And that's all the that I mean there's a bunch of other ones on the list, but I was like, I don't need to list them all. I've already <laughs> made a good enough case. So here's the big question, dude. Do you actually believe Electric can beat Iron Fist? I think okay, honestly, no jokes. I think she could. Uh probably not the majority of time though. Honestly, like, cause like she, I didn't even know she had all these extra skills that she, you know, has. And I've read enough Iron Fist to know as much as I like Danny, he sometimes will fight like an idiot. Like we talk about this with Thor a lot. Thor has all this power, but he doesn't use it as well as he could. Elektra's a dang assassin. She could go for the kill where Danny's not trying to do that. You know, not trying to like stop, you know, not using his full potential basically. So I do think like, he, Danny probably does win eight times out of ten, but I do like I don't I will not, not I won't concede and say he wins a hundred percent of the time. Fair enough. Uh, but you definitely taught me some things about Electra that I didn't know. Some are silly, but some are cool. And, yeah. And yeah. No. I mean, going into this, I definitely didn't think that he would win ten out of ten times, but I do think he would win majority, and I know that. All like the eight out of the ten times that he wins, it's gonna be a real close fight. Well, like what made me mad when I was looking at the different things, one of Electra's feats <laughs> was she nearly beat Danny Rand until he used his chi, and then it was just over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you didn't but the, mention that one. Well, cause okay, here's the here's the reason. Because I was hoping you were going to use that, because then that's one of the reasons why I mentioned the Wolverine thing. Because I'm pretty sure both were written by Brian Bendez, and I could just be like, "That's writer-induced stupidity. Those don't count." <laughs> that's funny. I mean, I think as as much like cool stuff that Electra has done, like Dan, Danny's just got some insane feats, and I th- he does. I think if this were written like a serious fight that that Danny would be written to win this sometimes but it's I could see a lot of plot induced things going on that would let Electra win Mm -hmm. because that's how a lot of times Danny loses except for the fat Cobra I will I still don't understand how he just got slapped around so hard by fat Cobra in that comic right (laughs) I love that book though that is such a good good series i know i just was not expecting that when i was reading that i was like because i really liked iron fist too and i was like oh boy and then i was like what <laughs> the first fight he's out <laughs> <laughs> all right well unless you're opposed i think i'm gonna take victory on this one no nah, man i think you've won the whole tournament now because i needed to go on a win streak and you just hit me with your heaviest hitter <laughs> Well, we're still going to do the rest for fun because we like talking about oh, this Oh, for stuff. sure. But, uh, yeah, that was cool. I think I have first pick for next week. Mm-hmm. All right. I will do one of my, um, my ladies, and I'm going to pick Black Canary. Mm. I'm going to go with Lady Shiva. Okay. 
You're really you're really fighting for that win, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, this one this one should be a layup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna come at you with everything I got regardless. All right, sounds good, man. All right, well, that is all for this week, guys. Again, if you like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash two worlds podcast, you can also find us on Twitter at two underscore worlds underscore podcast and Instagram at two worlds pod. You can email us at two worlds podcast at gmail.com and please like and review us five stars wherever you're listening to this. Thanks a lot for tuning in guys and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks guys. Bye.